Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. Welcome, everyone, to Live Dharma Sunday for August 16th, 2020. Koyo Kobose here, so very, very glad you joined us. I want to start out today talking about uh, one of the six paramitas, uh, six Buddhist virtues. And the first one is, uh, you know, they're uh, uh, listed in um, Pali or maybe Sanskrit, uh, dana, D-A-N-A, which translates to uh, generosity, sharing, um, uh, or giving. And so dana, uh, most typical material type of a dana is giving a donation to the temple and so they could carry on its dharma work and so forth. But real dana, you know, are those people that that give of their own time and uh, volunteer. Uh, they're real dharma uh, dharma friends, and I'm reminded of this um, uh, uh, there's so many examples of dana. Okay. People doing Dharma work, volunteering, helping out, doing this. It's beautiful. That kind of thing is beautiful. You know, not that there's anything wrong with doing something for a living or, you know, getting paid for your work. Okay. Right livelihood, after all, is one of the uh, Eightfold Noble Path. But Dana, well, uh, what I wanted to say is that there was a, 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 a Dharma friend in Chicago who he was a, he went to University of Illinois downstate and he was on the uh, college uh, radio station working you know as a volunteer and then he got that kind of experience and then when he finished college and came back to Chicago area <clears throat> he became a DJ. And that was his livelihood. And he was a, a, a sansei, a third-generation Japanese-American, and 
um, kind of a celebrity when, you know, you get to become a DJ. And he became rather well-known as a sportscaster and as a, he was the voice of the White Sox. He was the voice of the DePaul uh, Blue Demons basketball team, DePaul University. And he was uh, uh, the DJ for a local station. And since I uh, knew him and uh, I would sometimes visit him in the studio uh, right near the lake, Lake Michigan, in one of the high rises where the radio station office was, you know, go up and visit him. And uh, uh, he's the one, in fact, that uh, volunteered to uh, make an audio book of, the, of my father's book, The Center Within. Uh, they, they made, and he, uh, it's his voice that since he has a professional, that's his profession, he's a professional. So some uh, uh, temple members, they said, well, it'd be nice to have an audio book of the center within. And so he was the voice, and he, he read that, and it was uh, made into a, a CD cassette, and they, you know, that was a nice project. That's a nice example of Donna. And uh, the reason I was thinking about this is because uh, – Later on, when I introduce our guest to give us our Dharma glimpse, he's going to be calling in live. Well, he is in, he is in live right now. Um, but uh, uh, as you may know, if you if you call in to Live Dharma Sunday, uh, part of the uh, service that's given from that from this uh, is uh, the countdown. So many minutes to show time. Okay and uh, five minutes and so forth. And it was about two minutes to show time. And I'm looking and I had the uh, the studio layout on the computer screen so I could see when people call in, what their number is. And so I'm waiting. Um, I know his area code. And uh, he called in to uh, our Bright Dawn landline uh, which is a different number from Live Dharma Sunday, and uh, I saw the saw the caller ID, and I said, "Oh, Mike, you know he's calling in there." So I answered, and he said, "He said I was I wasn't sure if this was the right number," and I said, "Oh, so I gave him the right the right number," uh, and he called in. But this reminded. Then I looked at you know the the countdown, and it was about two minutes to show time. And then I was reminded of this friend that I was talking to you about. It was a DJ. When I would visit him in the radio studio, because they have to do a lot of commercials, introduce songs, and, uh, uh, and after the commercial's over, they got to be ready because they're on live, you know, on radio. And so when the commercial's over, he says, okay, welcome back, and blah, blah, blah. And so they're very conscious of time, you know, and uh, two minutes in radio is an eternity. So you you might think, wow, he just called in time, you know, it's only, only two minutes to show time. But in broadcasting, two minutes is a lifetime. And I had to smile to myself uh, that uh, how relative 
our our judgments are or you know how we handle things in life and to these DJs uh you know uh it, sometimes a song is over or you know and they come in after a commercial or something just right on time like 5 4 3 2 1 you know boom they got it you know and they're so relaxed they're not all tense waiting for the, you know and this is called in the in their jargon hitting the bridge that is you know you from bridge from one uh, thing to another, and boom, it just flows just like that. Sometimes you hit the bridge, boom, you know. But two minutes is a lifetime, and I was reminded of uh, Donna, his he, him doing all that work and uh, volunteer work, and uh, I received a home altar from a Dahmer friend in from Evanston, Illinois, right outside of Chicago. Uh, and he and he is another example of Donna, very generous Dharma giving. He make, makes home altars, uh, and he, I don't know how many he's, he's donated to us. He sends them small home altars. And in fact, so many lay ministers, when they come for their lay ministry induction uh, in May, and I have... Uh, uh, some uh, homemade altars. I said, well, you know, his idea, I think his original idea was that well, he's going to donate them and we could sell them on, you know, on our website or whatever and and make make money and revenue for Bright Dawn. But I just started to give them away to these new lay ministers. Uh, and they would choose the one. Each one is custom made. They would choose the one that they would like, you know. Some of them are painted black. Some are a natural wood, which, by the way, uh, my Dharma friend, uh, on garbage day in his neighborhood, he goes around and he gets scrap wood. That's what the raw material, you know, isn't that neat to make his home altars. He has a workshop. It's his hobby, not his, you know. In the basement, he's got a saw and all that, and he got into that. And so I got a home author from him, and he always writes a nice note and whatnot. And I was thinking, <clears throat> and and it's so nice because I tell the lay ministers when they, I said, you know, I tell them about him. I give them his name and address, and I said, if you take one that he donated, uh, <clears throat> You have to promise that you'll write him a thank you. Maybe even take a picture of your altar at your home, what the setting is. Okay. And he's an old school guy. He doesn't uh, do anything on a computer. He doesn't have email. So you have to write a letter, a thank you letter, and send the actual physical picture if you want to. And so... Uh, he has told me that he's received some nice letters, thank you letters from people who have, uh, you know, his home altar uh, as their, what we call as their spot, S-P-O-T, the special spot in their home where it's, a, you know, spiritual, uh, you know, Japanese uh, <clears throat> In Japan and and those that immigrants that came over, there was a tradition uh, of having a home altar, and uh, very 
Everyone, every family had a home altar. Okay. Uh, I, I think back in the feudal era, I think the, you know, religion and government was more closely entwined. And I think the government, uh, the emperor or somebody said, uh, you know, and wanted to encourage uh, religiosity, spirituality, and, and, and mandated, you know, I don't know if, uh, what that means exactly mandated. I mean, I don't know how they enforced it or whatever, but they said everybody should have a home altar. Maybe this was good for the home altar bakers for their business, but that's how it got started so many hundreds of years ago. And that continues to this day where um, most Japanese families in Japan have a home altar. And the immigrants that came over on the turn of the century, the turn of the 19th century, they brought the, they brought their home altars, okay? And they, when they immigrated, uh, so the, this tradition, uh, I call, so I sort of encouraged this with the lay ministers. I said, hey, I don't know. Uh, even if they didn't have a home altar, make make a special spot on your on your fireplace mantle or or some place where you have a special spot where you have some treasured items and you have some you know your favorite uh, Buddhist book or something like this. And we used to have one, and um, uh, whenever maybe uh, one of our good for particularly good for a family setting because then. Supposing one of the kids gets a good grade or receives a gift, we say, hey, you got this gift? Okay, let's go and have a gift, express some gratitude at the spot. You know, and this, uh, it's a nice family experience, okay? Or supposing a pet fish, turtle, or something dies in family, so, oh, let's have a little service, memorial service, okay? Uh, it's good spiritual training for the whole family. And um, so, and then I coined the term SPOT, Place of Tranquility, as the acronym, you know, and uh, <laughs> that's become <laughs> kind of a, a, a special acronym. So anyway, uh, there are a lot of spots that uh, lay ministers have, and it, it's uh, <laughs> occupied by one of the Homemade, crafted home altars made by the generous Donna, uh, of a, a good Dharma friend back in the Chicago area. Uh, <clears throat> okay, let's see, let's see, let's see. Well, I might as well go in to introduce the, our guest. He's, he has called in live, Michael Manio. Uh, he lives in Florida. Who's part of our LM10 group, and um, he might be called a, a sort of a second generation lay minister in the sense that uh, Manyo, uh, you know, our Dharma names that we give every lay minister a Dharma name, if they, and uh, the two characters, the second character is the Yo, the bright dawn, the sun, a sunrise. And then the first character is more personalized. And he was, so every lay minister has the yo, that's sort of like a family, our, our family 
know, heritage type of thing that we do. And um, we encourage all lay ministers, one of the greatest things they can do in their Dharma work is to provide a tisarana, Buddhist confirmation for their, anybody that, uh, you know, a friend or somebody that's, that's interested in Buddhism, and they say, hey, and you you encourage, you tell them, you know, here's some books to read or something. And then they, if they find out about Buddhist confirmation, they say, yes, I want to become a Buddhist. And you can receive a Buddhist name, or we call it a Dharma name. And I said, this kind of tisarana or confirmation, uh, encourage it. And so uh, some of them have small groups or centers, our lay ministers locally. And for those, okay, not, you know, <laughs> they, they might do a lot of tisaranas. And they always give the Dharma name with the yo. And so one of our uh, lay ministers in Florida, uh, he was from uh, LM3, and then he gave Manyo his Dharma name, okay, uh, seven, seven years later, okay. So our <clears throat> lay minister is spreading the Dharma and, and so forth uh, and passing it on, okay. Uh, so it's, it's sort of a second generation. <laughs> That's beautiful, and it should it should keep on rolling like that. Uh, and Manyo, and it just ha- so happens that Man is ten thousand Buddhas. Okay, that Man is the character Chinese written character is for ten thousand. So Manyo means ten thousand Buddhas, <laughs> and I think that Dharma name. Could be uh, have a lot of teachings in there. What do you think? Ten thousand Buddhas. You know what's the implications of that? What does that mean? Does that mean that you should do the work of ten thousand Buddhas, or it could be that there are ten thousand Buddhas all around you? If your eyes are open to see, you know, Buddhas offering teachings all around us, all kind of meanings, and none of them have to be the correct one. Okay. Uh, the, the value and meaning of our Dharma name is wide open for creative spiritual growth. Okay, without further ado, Michael Manuel Sensei, you're on. Okay, thank you. I just have a few thoughts um, on these. Are my this is my, I have to say before I start. It's just remember that. It's my experience. This is my personal experience and my personal practice, and it dovetails very nicely into the sensei that that makes the home altars. It's his practice. It's part of his practice. Um, And what's great about Bright Dawn is we're allowed to practice in different ways. There's no, you got to do this, you got to do that. There's none of that. I mean, so... So that we practice, we all practice differently, and that's beautiful. That's a wonderful thing. So today I'm talking about the Dharma diary, and I I don't call mine a Dharma diary, uh, but it's kind of catchy, so that's what I say. But it's journaling for uh, basically is what it is, and it started out for me as a collection of my own methods adapted from Bright Dawn and Koyo and Sekio. We uh, talked about that's who recruited me with Sekio Sensei. 
but Cuello, Secchio, Jenny Sensei, and other teachers um, that are lay ministers, and Reverend Kabosi, and, and Reverend Kabosi gives us a book at induction, and it's a collection of ideas from different teachers. So when we're asked to do a wedding, I was asked a while back to do a wedding, so I I took my book that I write in, and I took the book from Bright Dawn and Jenny Sensei sent me some stuff, and Reverend Kabosi sent me some stuff, and other teachers and and I wrote up a customized sort of wedding for these people. I met with a couple, and I wrote up their wedding, and they, uh, you know, in the my in my book, in, in my book, and uh, I also in that book have mantras and prayers and things that quotes that I like. I just found a great one from Confucius. I really like. I put in there, but anyway, but I write in it not every day, but almost every day. And it's not a chore for me. And if it's a chore for you, you probably shouldn't do it. But if, but it's a practice of sorts. And uh, like uh, about three weeks ago, I was asked to do a graveside talk, a little funeral at um, – uh, it's a little cemetery, and we drove almost to Georgia. I mean, boy, this thing was – we're way out on US-1, and we uh, used the GPS – you know, my wife went with me, and we used GPS and ended up on US-1, and uh, it took us off this side road, and we got about four miles down there, and it was completely blocked with bulldozers and and roadblock. There was no way around, absolutely no way. So I said, what now? So I went back out to one, went north, and I was hoping the GPS would reset and show us another way in, and it did, and we made it plenty of time, and um, and that's the kind of stuff. I mean, and well, uh, well, about the there was only a few people at the funeral, and um, we did our thing. This very old country church, very old, I could tell, primitive Baptist church, way up on a dirt road. We were out in the woods. And uh, but I was I was happy to do it for them. But that's the kind of stuff that you that little adventure. And there's more details than that. But that's the kind of stuff that you write and reflect on in your journal or your book or your Dharma diary or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff in your thoughts and stuff that comes up. And and you might even you know, it is it is a useful practice for me. And mine, it's not for it's probably not for everybody, but for me it's very useful. And um, since I said when we were doing LM10, I remember I'll quote him. He said, "Don't throw an idea out the window. Put it on the shelf." So I put it in my book. I might not throw it out the window, but I put it on the shelf by putting it in my book. And I've almost well, I have. I've started on another book because you just you fill it up. You fill up a journal, you got to move on. But if you'd be surprised just writing not even a page every day, not even a half a page every day. If you do that, I, I, I usually write more than that, but sometimes half a page, sometimes less. But it's very useful, and it helps you really drill down your intent, your intentions and your motivation. What, what am I really what, – what is really motivating me? 
And um, it wasn't my idea. I mean, I, I journaling. A lot of teachers encourage journaling and and some kind of record. And and you don't have to be a Buddhist to do it. You don't have to be a teacher or a sensei to do it. It's very useful. I found I, it's funny. I found a uh, there's an old philosopher. Marcus Aurelius was a, he wasn't even a Christian or a, he was Roman. He was Roman Caesar. One of the he says he was the last good Caesar of Rome. But he would he journaled. He did and he has a lot of stuff. He never intended his stuff. I don't ever intend my stuff to be published. In fact, I've got directions to burn it. <laughs> I don't want it to be published. It's my stuff. But Marcus Aurelius. Um, yeah, his he journaled and he 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 was he did what he called a gratitude journal, thankful, a thankfulness journal. What a great thing! He wasn't Christian, he wasn't Buddhist, he wasn't he was Roman, he was pagan. He 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 prayed to Roman gods. That's fine, but he but he was a good person from what I can read. But uh, but but think about writing stuff down. You will be amazed when you look back. A year later, two years later, however long, it's very useful. It could be very useful. You say, boy, I was wrong about that, or boy, I'm glad I did that. So that's all I have for you today. That's, uh, I hope um, everyone has a wonderful make – it, make it a wonderful week and a wonderful everything, and thank you, Sensei. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. I really have to echo the point that uh, – uh, of journaling it is well i shouldn't say essential but it's so valuable you know every almost every i would say every serious spiritual person journals in some fashion you know self-reflection is the modus operandi of buddhism you know, so well, how do Buddhists practice? You know, well, do they pray? Do they, you know, well, self-reflection, introspection, that's what journaling is. And to write it down, there's a big difference between writing it down and just thinking about it. Yeah, I was thinking about, oh, this is a teaching and so forth. But that will, easy to fade away. But if you write it down, then all kind of things, uh, I call it crystallizing one's experience. You know, spiritual practice. Spiritual means personal, individual. Okay. And as opposed to a religious, some, you know, where it's part of an organized religion and, you know, uh, set teachings or rituals or whatever. Okay. This is a religious word or religious practice okay, versus a spiritual practice. And of course, the religion is intended to be spiritual. After all, people that join a religion, they want to get their individual personal experience from this established traditional you know, beliefs and practices that have came from a famous teacher had shown to help a lot of people, okay? uh, and it will continue to do so. 
it's preserved because it was so valuable. But the downside of that is sometimes it gets too <clears throat> dogmatic and it might stifle creativity, which is a hallmark of spirituality. It's individual, it's personal, it's creative, it's open. Its form is wide open, you see? And so <clears throat> if so, nothing, this is not a either or. If you have follow a particular religious practice and have some religious beliefs uh, <clears throat> that are taught as part of a religion, uh, the teachers got to try to emphasize, hey, you got to personalize this. You got to internalize it. It's not something outside of you. This is a big part of a Dharma, a Dharma diary. I love that phrase. Uh, a gratitude journal is the same thing. Oprah was big on that, wasn't she? She said, hey, you keep a gratitude journal, and boy, is that really life-affirming and enriching. And we, we could call it a practice, yeah, yeah, okay, in terms of all these kinds of terminologies and so forth. Okay. But uh, we should, uh, it, it's so valuable to have a, a, a spiritual journal, okay, and uh, self-reflection, introspection, you know, this is the practice. Um that, <clears throat> I wanted to mention that, um, wow, in a sense, 10,000 Buddhas, Michael Manuel's Dharma name, fits in too. Because when things are wide open, there's Buddhas all over. And it's going to come in your life in all kinds of ways. It's wide open. Who knows what's, what, kind, what life is going to present you around the corner, next corner. Well, it's guaranteed to be unexpected, new. Okay? You don't know what's what's coming around, and that's pretty good because if you, <laughs> it would be terrible if we knew everything that was going to happen and what we're going to experience. Of course, that's impossible. Okay, so ten thousand means infinite number. Okay, we can receive the teachings in all kinds of ways. And we could express our teachings in all kinds of ways. That's that's how, when you become spiritual, your worldview changes, your life view changes, you know. And <clears throat> everyday life events become dharma life changing events. Something ordinary becomes extraordinary. This is <laughs> this is what it's all about. <laughs> that's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going, and you have a beautiful day. Thank you.